I took a shot at Apostle so and so, Revan. You know, like I went at all of you know all the fake titles that everybody had in church. I had a line in the song that this went at every last one of. I'm not going to hell with you. <laughs> I'm not. Welcome to All Up In Your Business Podcast, a place where two opinionated siblings come together to discuss black mental health issues in a raw, honest, and in-your-face manner. I'm Lovely. And I'm Light. Come with us as we explore black mental health highs, lows, and what the who do the eyes, ears, and mind of two siblings who are recovering every day, or at least trying to. Sit back and be prepared to shake your head, laugh, cry, and scream. Right. Let's begin the journey. What's going on, Busy Bee family? Welcome to All Up In Your Biz podcast. It's your boy, Light. And this is Lovely. And I'm glad I know who I am now. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you guys for joining us on our second podcast. We are returning to talk about the quiet years. He's supposed to go dun, 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 but that did not happen. Oh. Dun, dun. And that's just like a brother for you. And it's just late, just showing up. Tell me what I'm supposed to do. I'm just saying, we a little tired tonight. (laughs) We're just joining in. So. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, so what we wanted to talk about, we wanted to pick up last podcast. uh, We were taking people into, uh, it's just funny. You know what? I had a question today before we jump into what we, you know, what we, where we left off. I had someone ask the question of, we had someone ask the question of why did we choose mental health as a topic? And I actually had, you know, someone that I work with ask the question of, is that all you guys are going to be talking about? And I kind of wanted to address that because I believe mental well-being is like the foundation for all of life. I believe that even like if your mental well-being is, 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 founded or placed upon your spiritual beliefs it, it and if that helps you to kind of get to where you need to get to that's what it's placed upon if it's based upon a philosophy it's based upon something that kind of gives you what you need to kind of do life well with your family your friends and especially yourself and so how how did we arrive here i, I want to like in the first episode we talked about just our tra- how we were traveling through just life and the many different things that were coming our way but I would say we arrived here because we want to like we want to enjoy our sanity. And in the process of enjoying our sanity, we face ongoing and uh, I wouldn't say ongoing challenges, but we face the normal things that everyone faces in their lives. And we believe that our opinions not only are very strong, but our opinions are those that are shared by a lot of individuals who are out there in the world. So we chose mental health because. We want individuals to enjoy themselves, enjoy their lives, feel whole and complete being who you are and not think that you have to measure up to someone else's standards or fit into someone else's box or fit whatever the stereotype or whatever it is that someone else is placing on you that's confining you and restricting your mental thoughts. We chose this topic because we enjoy our freedom and we are hoping to see other people be free and whatever you can define that freedom as being. So, amen, brother. 
That was good. That I was rambled good. a little bit at the end, but I think the gist of it is, like I say, be free, man. I enjoy being me. I tell people that all day. I love me some me. We'll be back. Getting into like, well, they had already been in rap for a while, but it was like the, the metal type of rock. Yes. And when I saw them doing it, like I didn't realize they could spit and they would be able to spit. Oh. <laughs> and he's back. Yes, he's back. But when they started uh, uh, rapping and things of that nature, you get to see some of that. T- Fred Durst, that's what was in yeah, the yeah. Like, I impressed you oh, with that. Oh, you did, I you did. I was like, that. I didn't expect it. I didn't expect it. I, I was like, wait a minute, that. he gave me a name. And he was good until he started crying and whining about women not loving him. What happened to him? His heart got broken. Like, does he make music anymore? I don't know. I just haven't heard the name in a while, but I do remember him. He was a cool, he was a cool. It was great when it was happening, and then it was sad to watch it go down over heartbreak. He seemed like a cool white dude. I remember like he wasn't. Love has taken a lot of people to the river. Yeah, and like that's a, that's a perfect segue to the quiet years. As we, like we say, those moments that we spent. uh, Apart. Yep. We, like I said, we brought you guys up to, to the phone call. After we met each other, and then once, you know, when we started our relationship in the beginning, uh, and we want to pick up this week talking about? The, the quiet years. Well, how we, when we were raising our kids and trying to raise ourselves, and Lord, did we need some real guidance while we were doing all this, because I stumbled and fell, and I have scrapes and bruises of all proportions at this point. I'm like, like we were saying, we both have been in our relationships with our spouses for 29 years, 29 years. Do you know every (laughs) single year you become somebody different? And it's really interesting to learn to fall in love with the same face, but a different personality or to dislike the face that you love because they become something that you're not used to having in the house, you know? And see, that's interesting. See, for me, one, you're talking about the guys. Y'all kill me when y'all talk about it. It's not just the guys. I know I changed a lot. I had some serious growth issues. I could not take criticism from my then boyfriend and then husband. Couldn't take it. Like, one, I have authority issues. Whoop, whoop, that's the sound of the police. That was like, no, I don't hear that because I don't have to listen. I'm not doing anything wrong. You see that? Mm -hmm. I'm missing dad did that. Because I, I yeah. told you, and then the last episode, the last podcast, I do not do it. I don't do it. So, like, if you grew up without a, a man giving you direction, and then you have this person who comes into your life, and you've already created in your head how your relationship is going to be. I'm going to talk nice to you. You're going to talk nice to me. We're never going to have an argument. <clears throat> All lies. It is. Because it was, there was some times where I was like, I am fitting to pack my bags. Where you going? Where you going? Back upstairs to that room. Apologize. That's the dog. I knew he was going to do it. He's going to give us a whole lot of. That's my boy, Rock. You good people. Don't worry about him. He had barbecue sauce. They can't hear that there. Keep going. You You can hear it there. You're flowing. Keep doing. The flow. No, but, um. We got a rock star in here. He ain't, he ain't, he ain't interested in none of this. Um, but, you know, we were so young when we started dating, 13 and 14. And That's really, really young. It is very young. Um, we were dating 
13 and 14. And just between the two of us, you know, with having a baby, which wasn't early. I was 20 when I got pregnant. I keep saying I'm 21 and 22, but I was 20. Had my daughter when I was 21. Completely lost. Didn't know. And I thought I knew everything and didn't know anything. I cried for like the first six months of my pregnancy. Passed assault. So... Question before you continue telling your story. Like, so when you're at the age of 21, and we talked about this, I think a few weeks ago on our live podcast, I mean, on the live podcast or the, the or mix station radio, live. organic radio. There you go. But we talked about postpartum. So when you're 21 and you're, like you said, you cried for six weeks, months, six months, nothing did, I did was right in my head. So I, did you, I, I really did you thought, seek any type of treatment? Did you? I asked the doctor. And you know, what I'm learning is that, especially for minorities, anything you do, period, just basic line, you're told it's fine. That's normal. It's okay. And if you don't know how to advocate for yourself, nobody goes the extra mile. So I think that when you're going through, um, because you can be pregnant and depressed, like you don't, everybody who gets pregnant isn't trying to get pregnant. And I think the assumption that like, you know, but you have a life in you. You're like, yeah, but I was really looking for a good time and the condom broke. <laughs> or we meant to use a condom, but you know, sometimes you just get carried away. But I'm saying, so like, I didn't have anybody really there. I had a good OBGYN and she would explain some things, but there were a lot of stuff, especially the elders. When you told them, you know, I'm crying all the time. I don't feel good. Oh, you just tired. You just pregnant, baby. Mm -hmm. You know, you hypertension. You just pregnant, babe. I gained 60 pounds. You just pregnant, babe. You know, you're like, yo, <laughs> I need you to be like, put down that cheeseburger. It's three in the morning. I'm just saying like somebody, but that I, um, about two weeks ago, I listened to a podcast and it was a podcast on, um, post, I'm um, no, it was on pregnancy therapy mm -hmm. for pregnancy. And then they also helped you with, um, therapy after you had the baby, mm -hmm. like they walked you through it. So That's like once you had a baby, they would give you a six month plan on how to calm yourself down a from having the baby your hormones going back to work having a baby in daycare and it was great but it's this one lady she's in chicago i had i don't remember her name and i'll absolutely look her up and tag her on our instagram page but it was a great thing to hear because it was the first time i ever heard of a therapist that specializes in pregnant women women who are trying to get pregnant mm -hmm postpartum mm -hmm. and she specializes in women who can't have babies oh wow it was amazing that's good stuff yes yeah. that's, that's really yeah. that's that's someone that our, our listeners definitely need to know about because as as we we've, we've continually said we're here to facilitate the conversation on mental health in black and minority communities so that an individual where we cannot we, we know what our limitations are and while we feel like, and we definitely believe not only our opinions matter, but the facts that we provide matter, we want you all to have the necessary resources to uh, connect with professionals who can help you beyond just peer-to-peer -peer conversations. So, but, Absolutely. all right, nice little plug for 
just saying, you know. Uh, that podcast, I, I enjoyed that. I think that's a big part of uh, what we want. We want to foster conversations more and more and more uh, because I, you, I do read a lot and I've read a lot about individuals who, how, how we're treated. I don't think that's always been my experience with medical doctors, uh, but I tend to be, I don't want to quote typical male or t- like typical black male uh, when it comes to us. I've, I've been fortunate enough to where as though we've gone to the same medical clinic Oh, man, probably since the mid 1990s because we've lived in the same community yeah. for that entire time. So we've gone to the same place and they have all of my medical records. Um, but I feel like I've been treated. Thankfully, I've been treated well at that doctor. And, and when my tests are run, when I get my, my when I get physicals, things of that nature, I've been fortunate where the care has been provided the right way. But I also realized that even though I've been treated fairly this way, there are lots of other individuals where your the symptoms that you're experiencing i uh, are ignored or brushed off as some type of social because of this the, your social environment well, it's it's ignored it's not treated as if it's real yeah. oh you just want drugs yeah oh you're just being dramatic mm-hmm. oh you don't know anything that. Mm-hmm. oh you just looked on google now don't get me wrong all of us know that you should not you should not put any illness on the internet because you're gonna die no matter what happens, your splinter, gonna die. Toothache, gonna die. Plucked eyebrow, gonna die. It's weird. It's the strangest thing. I don't know how the internet knows these things because Y'all the internet knows out. all. Yeah, right. If it's on the internet, it's right. That's what they said. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'm just saying. So let's get back to Lovely's life. <laughs> yes. So six months of... Pregnancy, have my first child. We're now living with his mom because we were young and I needed support. Mm-hmm. And she tried to support me, but we were young. And you know, when you want your own family, you want your own family. So we spent some years living at different addresses. So, you know, before I said, I said previously that we moved quite a bit and things that you learn to take with you in adulthood. So if you don't like something, you just leave. That's literally had was my mantra for years. And then one, then we have the next child and then we have the last child. And my brain is like, he made me stop touching the table. (laughs) And then, (laughs) and then I'm tired. I don't want to move anymore. I want to stay where I am. I want some roots. And we luck up and we find a house. Um, so we finally get to a place where we're stable. We live in this house. We live there for about three years. My husband's like, we need to buy a house. I'm like, let's be renters forever. Because I don't want the responsibility of paying for other things. But in that time, we have kids, they're football, chess, soccer, Mm -hmm. basketball, art. But we aren't ourselves together. We're not going through therapy. We're like fighting each other. We're two separate people Mm -hmm. just taking care of the kids. But we ourselves are literally fighting each other at every turn. I think we should turn the heat to 65, no 71. It just doesn't matter what it was. We were always going at it. And the relationship starts to fracture 
and you see it happening, but you don't have time because we have kids. We have to focus on these kids. Yep. We got to keep the kids together. We move forward, move forward. We wind up in a house where it was amazing. The house was amazing. It had a pool with like a 14 foot pool. Like it was crazy. The mm. kids are living the best life ever. I'm miserable as shit. Mm. Our relationship is garbage. It's just garbage. We're like literally not even having conversations. Mm. It's like grunting and like walking past. Yeah. And I will tell you that through that whole time, therapy never came up once. Not once. Not a grown up, not a friend, not a pamphlet. That's tough. You know? So you have this guidance, but again, what we were talking about in a previous podcast, on our previous live podcast, hurt people hurt people. Mm -hmm. And when you are a fixer, I use that word loosely, fixer, all you're trying to do is shield your kids from any trauma. Really, you're just you're just mm. giving it to them in a very different way. Yeah, true. But you're trying to shield them from the trauma, so you don't want them to know how bad it is. So you literally feed yourself garbage to pretend like it's not bad. Like, we're good. Everything's you good. I'm good. Mm -hmm. We're good. Meanwhile, like, the building's falling apart. The <laughs> car's exploding. But the children are happy. They're, like, playing in the middle of the war zone. Everything's great with them. Then we move to the house that we now own here and we connect again and you come back into my life. That's it. So let's take a little break and we'll be right back. Good folks. And we're back. And we're back. I like how you say that. You do that always. You do that very well. I'm like, what's up, good people? And I'm going to say it's your boy like. <laughs> what? So, no. All right. So, uh, after, as we enter our quiet year, so we meet. I believe I talk about, I think at the age of 19, or after, let me, let me, I'm trying to get all my bearings right. Uh, I went like to, when you older. A tad. Anyway, I think, uh, as I said, growing through my teen years, I was, I went, we had a child early. When we had our child early, um, we spent some time together. But then after that, uh, age of 19, before, well, when I was about to turn 19, my life, I'll pick my life up right around 1992. Uh, the age is one years old. Uh, she's growing. And as she's growing, we're kind of sharing. I wasn't. I was still living with my mom. Trisha was still living with her mother. But as we were growing, we, you know, we would spend, all of our weekends were spent together. Uh, I, was your, I was the proud dad, wanted my daughter around, just wanted her around all the time. And um, I was very protective. I had in my mind how I wanted to raise my daughter and how I wanted my daughter to be raised. And I wanted structure, I wanted discipline. Not discipline, beat your child. I wanted my child to under, Education became like just very, very important to me. And even at the age of one, I wanted, I, I, I didn't want anyone else to have the type of influence over my daughter's life that uh, Trisha and I would have. So in 1992, I decided, you know what? 
we're going to move out on our own. We're going to move into our first apartment, big mistake, at the age of 19. And so that first year comes, goes. I think I talked about it a little bit, how we were living on our own, uh, working, doing those things. And that's when we first kind of went, went and entered into our first therapy session because we didn't go to therapy. But with us working as much as we did, I would say that was such a pivotal that the reason I bring that back up because that was pivotal in our relationship because I remember requesting counseling. I remember requesting that we needed to speak with somebody because um, and I didn't understand it, nor did I know that uh, when I was trying to have these conversations about where we were, my babe, she just like those conversations wouldn't go anywhere. Didn't think she I knew she loved me. I knew we, you know we had a good, you know, I thought we had a, a good relationship because I knew what we were before the child was born, uh, before DH was born. But what, she, what Trisha was going through or what she continued to do was she was working. She, she had moved into mom role and mom role suited her well, went well with her. But the relationship was no longer about us. It was about being a mom. And that was very difficult for me being a male because I still wanted it to be about us and our daughter. And so, you know, we, we moved and we stayed together for a year at that place. And then we broke up or we broke the lease. We signed the lease for an additional year, but then we broke it because Chum decided that, you know, he wanted out because we weren't going anywhere. And it wasn't that I just wanted out. It was funny because I just didn't want out. But because I felt like my attempts to communicate were rejected, that rejection caused me to say, I, if, we're, if we're not going to, we're living this way and we're not going to talk about what we're going through, I don't see why I should stay here. I don't see why we should stay in this relationship. And that's not even to take away from your story, but you you could. that's where I think most young relationships, scratch that, most relationships go wrong. When men reach out because of how they feel emotionally, because we as women are taught that men are the strong ones and we are the weak ones, or we're taught that men don't have feelings and you're a strong woman, you lose communication skills with each other. Because if you don't watch people fall in love, if you don't watch people go to relationships, learn how to argue, and then, yeah, yeah, it changes everything. So we had a conversation before where we said, you were telling her exactly what you felt yep she couldn't hear it because what you were saying to her sounds so foreign mm-hmm. that it wasn't even a thought it was like i don't have time for this right now because this is happening we have to take care of life you know we have to just do life and yes. i think that a lot of men and women if they could develop those coping skills before they get married or before they're really in a relationship to understand <laughs> to be able to hear each other, to hear the conversation, it would alleviate some stress, not all, because you can't. But take I, away but that. you know what's funny? Um, I would, I would, because I'm not going to speak on her behalf. But I, it would, it, it would be interesting to if she I could. I was even, her. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. If she true, but if she could recall, I would like to hear her recall, like if she recalled those thoughts, like what was going on in her head, because. You, you attempt to try to work through. The one thing we knew was DeAsia was very important to us. Absolutely. And we knew that we both wanted to continue to raise our daughter. So we went through a phase where we, we weren't together for, I want to say November of 92 through 
February, like the two, two or three months. It wasn't a long time. That's a long time, though, in relationship time. Yeah. I'm just saying. Like, yeah. when you miss somebody, you just miss them. And, and we did. And we kind of, we, you know, we, we, we went through. And I think whatever happened in February, whether it was the birthday or the anniversary when we kind of met, kind of came around. And, you know, we, I, I made a phone call. We came, she came over. And we started that process of trying to get back together and and in it, um, you know, in the process of working through, we moved back on our own in 1994. When we moved on our own in 1994, uh, I switched, I started working down, maybe I was already, I started working down St. I was already working over St. Agnes Hospital. So from there, I kind of, working there showed me more challenges and I'm not gonna go through each of the details, but during our quiet years, when we were having these challenges, a lot of it was based upon you still, and this is where age came in. We started way too early. Mm. We moved out. And even if you don't really think that you're becoming, and while it built certain virtues in me, oh. <laughs> while it built certain virtues in me, I would say I struggled a lot trying to understand how to be an adult in a relationship because I was still a child and, and you, you, you hit the nail on the head. I was not prepared. I had not seen those examples of what it was like to like work, not only work through trials, but you, you like the, the feeling of love is great. And it's something I heard on, it was funny. I heard this on Jamel Hill, Jamel Hill's uh, podcast. It was, she was talking to music soul child and they both made the statement when love's not enough and like not because you don't love a person they were just saying love is sometimes not enough to keep you with a person it's not it's and not it was like to me it's a very deep statement but when you're young and when i was young um you're fighting because love is what would always what would is what would pull us together but working through our situations would just lead to this perpetual state of we knew we loved each other. We knew what we wanted, but we would fight and we would argue. And everything from the dish rag being in the wrong, like you said, the dish rag being in the wrong space to, you know, uh, shoes being in a certain place. Uh, if, if things were done, you know, right in my mind, but she would come home and say something about what wasn't done right. And I would just, you know, it was, it was just this perpetual state of this. And, and mind you, I told you, having these anger issues, it was just a big part of that life. So that was, that was you, those were unique times. And they were very challenging times. But we enjoyed, like I said, we loved each other. That was yeah. there. You can't stay together as long as we've been without spouses and not love the person. 100% now, agree. there's some people who stay in relationships just out of habit. But you know what's but, sad? Sometimes but th- they, they break up at a certain point. And it's funny because I, I know a lot of couples... And a lot of people who get to that those twenty five to thirty year marks, and then we like I'm done, and it's done. And I and it's funny because, uh, and I'm, this is way fast forward, but I like those are conversations that Trish and I would have, and Trish and I have had about the state of our relationship. So these are ongoing parts of our conversation. This is not something that just happened then. It's something that we've had ongoing throughout the course of our relationship, and. I wouldn't say for bad reasons. And it wasn't no. because we didn't love each other. I think as we continue to grow and mature, we 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 could talk. We kind of become got wiser. To, yeah, we kind of And it doesn't to, hurt the same. Yeah, we got to a place where we, we know we needed to talk about these things. So but I'll go back to nineteen ninety four. 
1994, something else pivotal happened in my quiet years. In 1994, July of 1994, I left St. Agnes. I started working in the security field. When I started, I was supposed to say that. Anywho, I started working in the security field. So I'll say it again. <laughs> As I'm working in the security field, um, I was working a post, reading a book. And when I was reading this book in this quiet, this God awful shit shift, and I'm reading this book, I have what I describe as kind of an epiphany where I'm thinking of my life as luck because I'm kind of feeling good. And I'm like, man, this is a good spot to be in, working a job, making, you know, decent money, in my mind, decent money. And, you know, you know, we moved into this townhouse. I'm feeling like we got this shit going. Exactly. Yes. I'm 21 years old. I'm thinking like, this is great. Like, I feel awesome. I'm, I'm an adult. Yeah, right? Mm. And what happens is uh, I have this epiphany and I'm thinking my life is luck because where I grew up, what I had experienced, some of the, the trials and travails of growing up in East Baltimore from the gunshots to the, you know, being, oh man, I remember being robbed, almost being, thankfully we didn't have anything, but being robbed in front of my mom's house where we're standing right in front of my mother's house, guys pull up in the car open the door, swing the car door open and and hit one of my buddies with the car door and he turn around, take off his earphones like you're ready to fight and the guy has a sawed off shotgun. And he like, give me all your... And you paused like... This ain't really happening. Oh, and yes, I'm standing directly in front of my door. So your instinct is like you say, fight or flight. Mm -hmm. Your instinct is run <laughs> but you know if you run, run they're going to shoot, shoot you. So... Yes you pause and say, okay. And so everybody just emptied their pockets and we were just like kind of, so no one had any money or anything, but you empty your pockets. He looks at you and he tells us to walk up the street. And so you pause and you think, God, this is it. It, this cannot, is this can't, it cannot end like this. This is not good. So we walk up the street, we hear the car door close, they pull off. Now, mind you, keep in mind, you know what just happened to an officer, a Baltimore City police officer? Yeah, yeah. Same scenario where you think this doesn't happen, mm -hmm. but this was happening Forever. years ago. So it's something that does happen. It's something that's very real. And so when it happened to me, like I'm sitting in a security booth re re reviewing things in my mind thinking, man, I'm so lucky to be here. And in that moment, what happens to me is God reveals himself to me. And when I say God reveals himself to me, it wasn't a big light. It wasn't some audible voice. But what God let me know in that moment was that I, my life wasn't luck. I didn't arrive to this place because of luck. I arrived to this place because he was watching over. He was providing grace and that he didn't bring Trisha into my, he, you know, he showed me my life. And then he said he didn't bring Trisha into my life because Trisha was meant to be Someone who did everything I did, see it, things, everything the way I saw things. But she was meant to be the person who would fill in the gaps. She was meant to be the counter to all of my strengths. And so he said, and you're going to marry her. And I was like, okay, I just, I'm just listening. I'm not having, it was no conversation. All of this is being revealed to me. And then it just stops. And once it stops, I pick up the phone. I call her and I say, what's up, babe? And she said, hey. I said, we get married. And she was like, you okay? <laughs> I said, yeah, I'm fine. I said, we're getting married. 
we're not going down the courthouse. We're going to get married the way you want to get married. And, you know, you kind of just go and plan it and whatever you want, I'm going to make sure it happens. And that was kind of, you know, how the proposal went. And a uh, year later, we get married. After we get married, uh, we join a church. And the reason that was so uh, pivotal and instrumental was because those years were, uh, I dove deep in. I dove deep in because we didn't join the church right away. We joined the church uh, like I just started reading a lot. I had, um, it was funny. I, once this happened to me, uh, as we call it getting saved, um, I go to this lady named Mary Troutman. Um, love Miss Mary. I used to work with her at St. Agnes and she used to talk to me about God, but she never would judge my life. Never would criticize me or Trisha, never go through the, y'all shouldn't be getting married and y'all living in sin. And she never did any of that things. She just kind of lived to me. And that's why I say, I love Miss Mary. She lived the life. She was just the because beautiful. saints don't preach to you; yeah, they God. just wait Live. for you to show up. Oh gosh, she was just a yeah. beautiful, beautiful lady. So I love yeah. Miss Murray, and Miss Murray. So after this happened, after the proposal to Trisha, um, I I call, I go and see Miss Murray, and I tell her what's going on. Mm-hmm. And after I tell Miss Murray what's going on, and I hope I still got it in my room. I know I sh- I, I hope and pray it's not gone anywhere. Miss Murray gave me a Bible. It was a new century version of a Bible. It was a pink. It was a child's Bible. But I know I have one. She gave me that Bible. And when she gave me that Bible, um, I it didn't have all of the pages and all the things in it, but I read this Bible. It didn't, I don't think it had the New Testament. It might have just had the Old Testament, but I read it and I read it and I read it and I would take it to work and I would read it. And no, it did have the Gospels. It didn't have the, uh, the epistles, but it just had the Gospels. So it went from the Old Testament just to the Gospels. And so... This book is what was teaching me about Christ, which was teaching me about life. So I'm learning all of this without it being in the church. Mm-hmm. And so my relationship is being solidified with God. All of these things are happening, mm-hmm. but they're happening apart from no pastor calling me down an aisle, no anything. So I was detached from the religion. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. I was detached from religion. I was detached from religion, but I was attached to God. So I was in but a great place. that's the best thing. Because when you because when you build your own relationship with God, it, it it's funny because when you build your own relationship with God, you don't feel the need to like tell any. It's not like you need to tell anybody who your spirit brings people it. to you. It shows. Yes, and, and that's what happened with me. It yeah. kind of showed it, and once it showed it, we um uh I would share things with you know said you know I would share things with my family, but I wasn't preaching to them. I was trying. I was changing my that short temper was still there. It didn't go away, but. Like the one thing my mother said to me was I knew she believed the things that I was that was happening inside of me because I changed as a person. Like I was a lot less mean and I was a lot less upset. So as these things were happening in me, um, you can see it having an impact on our lives. We got in. We then we did. Someone knocked on the door one day. And so we started going to this church. It was a super conservative church and they were good at teaching the word, which was cool. But. We it was the the style of worship and everything else about the church, even though it was a mixed church, was very white. It wasn't I'm gonna say European. It was white, and but I, I but I actually we made, we made a lot of friends there. It was the it was a great experience for a growing family because it, it provided a structure, um, and as it provided us that structure, we we grew up. And I'll give a couple of other stories that had between that because we became very deeply involved and in becoming deeply involved. You know, we we wouldn't. St- it wasn't. I also like the fact that church services were like an hour and fifteen minutes. I couldn't do four hour churches. I couldn't do any of that stuff. 
Yeah, I, I, that, that was not me. We went to church, uh, went downstairs, ate food, came back upstairs. Nope. Didn't want to went do back that. downstairs, took a nap, listened to the pastor. But I will upstairs. tell you how I was involved. I, I would go, I, I would, we would go Sunday morning, we would go Sunday night. They would have some six o'clock classes on, you know, like that they would call like Bible studies. Mm -hmm. and so I would go to those. So I would go Sunday morning, Sunday at six, stay till about 8.30 or so because, and that was the only because I went at six because service would start at seven. So you can go to a class at six with just study and then you would go to seven and then you would leave about, because church would end at eight, you would talk to some people mm -hmm. and you leave. Mm -hmm. And then I would go on Wednesday. So I was involved and I started working with the youth ministry. I started doing those things. Really enjoyed it. Um, but I've realized at about 97, 98, it was one time where I was fussing about something really, really stupid. And I saw the look of fear in Trisha and Deja's face. And I realized for everything I believed that easily irritated and angry part was still there. And that look of fear in their eyes, they weren't being hit. They weren't being beat. They're none of those things. But words but they, hurt. And it was just, I was, words I hurt. hated like how I felt when I saw that look of fear in their face made me feel so small that I decided I needed to change it. Now, the sad part about it was changing for me wasn't having constructive conversations. Changing for me was just stop. I tried to make myself stop feeling what I was feeling. So I shut everything down inside of me so that I wouldn't be abusive with my language. And that's the worst thing. It was it was terrible. It, it, and like I say, and once we kind of get to that, that and I know we're not going to discuss it on this episode, but um, we, I, by, by shutting myself down and suppressing my emotions, I kind of opened myself up to those feelings to be manifest in other ways. And I, um, but I, like I said, I shut all of that down. I became a more obedient husband in the fact that I just wasn't fussing anymore. But it wasn't something that was growing as closer. And family still was everything to me. The structure of family, providing for my family, like I say, family is life to me. It means everything. And so while we were working on that, I, I, what I did was I actually, I turned, it was, two, it was twofold. Like I said, it manifested itself in negative habits. But one of the good habits it did, if you want to call it one, was it made me get more invested in church. So I'm starting to volunteer for everything and I'm showing up. And while we didn't have long church services, there was always room something, for you to yeah. serve mm -hmm. and do something and be involved and be at, and I was doing any and everything. And I, and I started going to Bible college at the time. So my days were filled with where I would go to work from six to two, um, about five 30 to one 30, get off at one 30, go work a part-time shift from two o'clock to six o'clock get out of class at six, get out of, get off of work at six, go to work, go to school from seven to 10 at night, and then turn around and get back up at three 30 in the morning to do it all over again. Cause I had to be to work. And I would, I did this for years because what it did was it prevented me from being in the situations that would cause us to have. Yeah. But I was going to say what was happening with your family when you weren't there? Uh, the family, the, Trisha knew how to take care of the, well, one, I was still, we still had, did what we started doing with, with DeAsia and the, the early seeds, DeAsia was like, by the time DeAsia was eight, she was a grown up. She was, she was helping when we had our second child, DeAsia was helping us grow the second child. She was good in, she was good in church. She was excellent in school. So that's, that's the discipline or the structure was still there. What, what happened to the family was we became good parents, but we didn't become good husbands. And that's wives. what I mean. And that's yeah, what I mean. My husbands. husband was, he asked me, he said, what do you want? And I was like, well, what do you mean? He was like, Will Smith did a, um, him and Jada Pinkett Smith did a red talk 
read table talk happiness and stuff and the one good question like that came up about he said i was living this life i had created this life in my head that i wanted but i never stopped and asked her what she wanted Mm -hmm. because the truth is is that us as women we will follow suit if we believe in you Mm -hmm. even when it's against everything that we believe in Mm -hmm. and no matter what's happening we can follow you as a dad we can follow you as a pastor but what happens to the intimate side of your relationship when you're not able to connect and oh it's a terrible thing it creates such it creates heat and hatred but it's not hatred in a sense where people like you know you say you know i hate you you despise you just despise the person and that's where the arguments keep happening because you can't you can't separate the person it's like you want you love somebody so much and you're like how how did you not get it Mm -hmm. you know it's like we're together every day how do you not get it but again like i said because we every year you change you just shed your skin and create a new it's, person and i agree you know i i would say you asked the question where were we we still would have moments where certain things would still come out but we learned to function and um we just didn't like i said we didn't grow in love and i as i stated at, at different comment in different conversations i'm a very relational individual starting from an early age starting from my 14 15 year old age i wanted deep like love me for me Connections. type of love mm-hmm. I, and mm-hmm. it's funny my one of my favorite songs is the elder bar's song called love me in a special way, in a special way and it's like you know I, I, like and when i i can i consider that that's my theme song love for my life exactly because like that like you can't you're not going to win me over by not like the average thing like you can be fly you can be all those things what pulls me is relationships and if you connect with me in a relational way, that's what draws me into. Mm-hmm. And we we were struggling with those parts, but I learned to relate to and connect with service. So because I connected mm-hmm. with service, that's where I was pulling myself in. And that was not good for our relationship. It was actually terrible for our relationship. And so, but you don't know this at the time. You don't. Because so- no, it's funny, you know, what I've learned is that when you live a life of service, mm-hmm. And you are giving and giving and giving and giving. And people look at you and they see you all the time. And it's, oh, brother such and such is always here loving us. Oh, sister such and such. But nobody ever stops and goes, how are you and the wife doing? Mm-hmm. How are you guys feeling? How, you know what I mean? Like nobody ever stops and goes, I see you're always here, but have you gone out on a date night? And I'm not saying that because my thing is, if the pastor has eight kids, he knows how to have eight kids he knows what it took to get there or the deacon knows what it takes to get there and you can see when something's unraveling Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's just always amazing to me how people watch you fall apart but when you are playing to them but i don't know if everybody like i think we we look at life like like we're not even falling apart the way we look at life, like what I, when my experience of seeing things, and I'm not because I'm not critiquing mm-hmm, the church, mm-hmm, I, and mm-hmm. that's not no, no, this has nothing to do with yeah, church. This, I'm this just saying, just relationships. even, yeah, this even relationships. if it was your parents, yeah, yeah, your exactly. friends, best friends, we happens. learn to live in a world where we're operating as if we don't because we don't want to see the falling apart. We don't we we idealize couples. So if we believe a couple is everything we want them to be, we're going to see them that way. And so even if they're going through something, 
will pretend that what's happening in their lives isn't real. And so I have been that couple. They, so, and so have we. We've been that couple so where we. everything was it was a shit show for sure. And they believe, and, and everyone was like, "Oh, but you guys are so great, and the kids are great, and you guys are always." And stressed. I can't believe, and, and I, and I, I'm like, you know what happened before I opened up this car door? <laughs> you know how like they always say, you know, like when you driving down the street, motherfucker, everybody gonna get on my nerves. We gonna get off this car, and everybody better fucking smile. And then, like you get out the car, it's like right, and then you get out the car, and they're just like, everybody's it's good, they're good. good. Trisha had a blackout moment one time. We were going to church. It was so funny, and she, and that because I would be hurt with certain things or certain attention that wasn't being paid to me. I remember having a moment where, um, if you if you didn't if if I was bugged or hurt, I'm going to say words and do things to just you hit an that antagonist. nerve. antagonist. Yes, I would, and I would hit that nerve, mm. and I would go. And so one you time, the we, person I wanted to bite, I hit the nerve, mm. and she went. The girls had already gone in the church. The age had taken them in the church, and she I hit that nerve, and Trisha just let it go, and she cursed me out. And it was so fun. And after we was done, like she caught herself and she at the end and she apologized. I said, nope. See, but for me, I saw an emotion. And I just said we weren't doing the routine. So I was actually happy with the response because yeah, at least we much, were discussing. You know how much stress that is for I us? ain't saying it's not a I'm good just thing. I'm not, I didn't, so I'm not saying it was good. I approve. I pre- Your I, whole body is involved in that argument. Exactly, but I, and, uh, but I but we needed to talk. But because once again, and I and I refuse to believe, and I believe human beings not male or female are created for relationships and i always try to tell people i said the the quote unquote when we if you believe the bible narrative if you don't that's your choice but in the bible narrative when adam and eve when before eve was created adam god created adam from dust adam had a job he had a relationship with god and he had responsibilities because he was working. that he had a wife before he met Eve? It's some all kinds of Okay, stuff. I'm so just I'm not, asking I questions. Got you. I just, I'm, mm. I'm going with the narrative. I'm go going ahead. with this narrative. Go, go, that's, go, go. That, that's in, that's in, that I see in script. Not, not, and I know there are different variations of different stories, but one of the things that I point out, especially to those who are believers, is that Adam was, he was sinless according to scripture. He had a job, relationship with God. Mm-hmm. He had, uh, he had his responsibilities to till and take care of the animals. And he had dominion, meaning he was responsible for all, everything. But everything yet, Adam, touches his ass. Yeah, Adam looked around, and after he paired off each animal and saw it was someone for someone, that, like each animal had a mm-hmm. pair, he realized something was missing. Mm-hmm. Now, people believe that to miss something, or to the, 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 when, like, what's taught is when there's an absence, when you feel an absence or a void or a hole, it's taught that sin causes what makes people feel like something is missing in their lives. Which and so, is not true. I, this I know. But, but this, this I know, and that's the point I'm making. Yeah. Adam, when he felt that void, God recognized the void that was there that Adam had, took his rib, created bone from his bone, flesh from his flesh, created Adam. From, from Ish becomes Ish. Eve. Edom, I'm sorry, Eve. But he created Eve, right? You trying to start a whole nother conversation. conversation. Not now, not now, not okay. now. But he created Eve. But as after he created Eve, the two became one, and it talks about them being this this union, and that what God has joined can no man no man can set asunder, or no man can separate. So, under the right circumstances. But hear me, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. Th- th- all different things. It's just me. I'm just, I got I'm you. Just you gotta saying. I just gotta. But you know. my point is, is that I think all human beings are created to be relational. Starting from Adam, 
running through all generations. We are relational creatures. And I'm not just talking about husband and wives. I'm talking about in community. General, yeah, I'm yeah. talking about siblings. We are relational creatures where we yearn to be in relationships with other individuals. And I know, and I'm at my core, I'm an introvert. I, I, I would tell people, God created me with abilities to connect with people, be good with people, but I love being by myself. I love having my own space, but I only love having my own space, not from my family. And that doesn't mean I want to be around my family all the time, but I need my family because it makes me feel whole. It makes me feel complete. I'm an I'm a extroverted introvert. Like, I can give you all I have, mm-hmm. but, when, but when I'm ready to shut down, Been there. in the middle of a conversation. I'm with you. I used, you know, I used to tell people I had, and, and I used to tell people I had a limit. I said, I've reached my people quota today. I've met my word, I, I've met my word quota for the day, and I would be at the end of work and be like, I have nothing else to give you. No. I'm done. My best friend tells me I'm a ghost. We would have conversations. She said, I know what was happening because you'd start your goodbyes, and I just knew to leave you alone and to watch you walk to your car. She said, it. we'd be in the middle of like a whole party, and you'd be like, yes, I'm out. I'm done? I am. I'm That's done. It. But no, we we kind of we went through that, and that, yeah. like I said, that was my my quiet years were, were years where it was development, it was it and was rebuilding. Yeah, it, it was it was it was some tough years in there. But as we were kind of going through, uh, we we transitioned, found my faith, and then finding my faith, uh, learned a lot. Like I say, developed, grew, but also we we faced a lot of challenges in those years that were I would call hidden even from each other because we didn't fully develop and to have the conversations and be not just what we could be, but what we were, what were we created to be. Um, but we continue to persevere because family meant everything. Now pitch that now and put a 13 and a 14 year old together who wants connection, but has never seen it. Hormones mm-hmm. and a complete lack of knowledge and ignorance. And that was us. So, you know, 13 and 14, you don't, you don't know anything. 16 and 17. I'm three years you know? older than you. So we, were, but you, you we had, met at that same but time. Even, but <laughs> even at 16 and 17, you've had a, a small bit of experience. Like, we were the experience. Mm-hmm. We created the narrative. But we created the narrative from, like, Luke, um, Pretty Woman, uh, Tony Hawk, and... Uh, That's too funny. I can see that. And in Living Color. Funny. You know, like, so when you start adding those things up together, there's not a lot of intimacy. Like, there's a lot of sex, Mm -hmm. and there's a a lot of I love you, and then there's a lot of arguments, and there's a lot of return back. So you put an age on it, but this this is where I agree. I think we're we're the same. I think, not just we're the same, I think a lot of the people who are listening to the podcast, it would be the same because... I don't think it's the age of the But I'm just going with my age, like where we were, Mm -hmm. you know, because... I always say the fact that we've been with our spouses so long, we're, we aged so fast. I agree. Because when, you know, it's just that when you decide you're going to try to do this together, mm-hmm. six months is so many things can change in six months. So many mm-hmm. j- things change in a year, five years. You know, when you watch friends get, um, get married, get divorced, start dating, stop dating. You know, and like, but you're still together. Mm-hmm. And people make the assumption that just because you stayed together so long means that you had less adversity. It's not the case. Yeah, okay. That's, That's not the case. It's tougher to do what you're supposed to do. You know, I have one good. girlfriend who always goes, but you, at least you have a, a husband. I'm like, but we've been through the same thing that you go through just together. I said, you know how it feels to lay in the bed with somebody who can't stand you or vice versa? I know what that feels like. 
to have somebody who like looked at you like you are the worst thing that ever happened. I once had, and, and I'll, I'll close with this episode or this this segment of our, our, our quiet years. With I once had a friend. It was a coworker, um, and she wasn't. I wasn't going through. She was going through, because in my service role, I could still be going through. Yes. But I like to write poetry, and I remember writing. You know, that's an Aquarius trait. We're very good with servicing yeah. while we're falling apart. I believe that. Yeah. But I remember writing this poem for her and, you know, no, no, no ill intention towards her, but she was, it was the day after Thanksgiving. It was a Friday. And, not, you know, it's a lot of people who had time wouldn't come in, but she came into work and I remember her coming into work and you could see it in her spirit. She was just broken. And I forget I, because I was a, working in security, I would be at the front desk and we had some conversation. And from her conversation, if you just say the right word, you, that's you all it take. I, I know. You work. can fly all the way and down. So that. Wrote, it's the most beautiful thing. Exactly. Yeah. I, wrote, I wrote a poem and I called the poem Sometimes. And I took the poem back to her and, and you know, we just, I, let, I just put it on her desk and then she read it and then she came out and you get the whole tears, the, the, the whole nine. And I'd be like, such a boy. Mess. I said, you're great mess. I said, you're great mess up the moment. I said, just. That I was said, her part of her moment. It wasn't a part of my moment. I was, you know I was being nice, but I didn't, I didn't ask for the tears. You should have put the paper down. <laughs> you're talking to a girl, dude. This is what you get. And so, but we talked and as we were talking, when she was saying some of the words she was saying, um, something, I forget whatever, I can't remember the words, but I remember I said something about, you know, I know what it's like and I'm going, you know, having those tough times. And I remember whatever I said, um, she she referenced my story by saying, she said, you guys been together when you, you know, had your first, you were 17, because I was 16 turning 17 and she was turning 18. She was like, so she said, that's had to be hard because she said, who you are at 17 is not who you're going to be when you're 27 and who you are at 27 is not who you're going to be when you're 37. And for the first time in my life, I realized that I was actually evolving and growing but my relationship wasn't. And that's a tough place to be. It's such a tough place to be. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. Thanks for listening to All Up In Your Business podcast with Light and Lovely. If you like our show and want to know more, check us out on Instagram at All Up In Your Business Podcast. That's A-L-L-U-P-N-U-R-B-I-Z-N-E-S-S Podcast. Or personally at Light In Your Biz, L-I-T-E dot N-U-R-B-I-Z or at Lovely Brown, L-O-V-E-L-I-B-R-O-W-N. Or on Facebook, just search for All Up In Your Business. Please leave us a review on the podcast you're listening to. We appreciate your support. Peace.